0: If you want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, I can get to know ya. If you
1: want it, baby, I can show ya. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. Let me inspire it I'm taking it up. Let me inspire it how I feel about us. If you want it, baby, I can show ya. I
2: can show ya. Well, welcome to another episode of Sperm Donation World. And today, well, I didn't think we'd be talking about this subject again so soon. It's not a subject that I really do like talking about. It's something that shouldn't be happening in this day and age. It's going to be a back-to-back episode with two different families that have been affected by the same situation. Previously in episode 33, if memory calls me correct, uh, you know we had an episode from a, a Monash couple that had their embryos told they'll be destroyed. And today we've got the same situation unfolding again. And we need to really look into this and uh, sort of work out what's going wrong, what's happening. And, you know, it's becoming far too common. What, what is the situa- situation behind this? And uh, we're gonna, we've got the lovely guests, Lisa and her partner, Karia, is that right? <laughs> yeah. you got us both.
3: You got us both wrong, Lisa. Ah. Lisa.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, you know what? I was meant to touch base on that, and That's okay. <laughs> and yeah, I just totally screwed it up. So, Lisa and Karaya and. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> A cool, cool coolia, cooler. Uh,
0: so I blame my parents for that
2: one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I blame me for sucking at pronouncing words and butchering them. So, <laughs> 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 no, um, oh, yeah, well, it's interesting how names and I don't know, like, where do we get all our last names from to begin with? Uh, you know, what's where, that heritage from? Cool. Uh,
3: so, yeah, so I've got uh, German heritage. So, Lisa is a is a town in Germany. Even though my name's Lisa, but Lisa is a town in Germany, um, and yeah, that's that's basically where where I come from. And you're just I'm right? just
0: super Aussie. My like my maiden name is White, since so that is Aussie, as you get, really. so I'm more than happy to tell Lisa's last name.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, no well, it is um yeah, you, some some names that you do consider boring that you just want to jump ship and change names, I guess it's sort of uh <laughs> you know I've um yeah, I've uh, people that I've met along the way, they you know, my my ex was happy to jump along to my last name because she didn't like her last name and uh so <laughs> so and she still kept it now. So <laughs> uh, uh so anyway, uh let's go. Um Tell us a bit about yourself. You've had a child previously from an well with an ex that you used a, a known sperm donor, and you did artificial insemination at home insemination the first time. Yep. Um, take us through the process of creating your family, your children, and then how you guys then met. And-
0: Nothing. I just came <laughs> along years later and
3: just got <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, 2013-14, my ex and I um, decided with a friend of hers that we would uh, bring a little human into the world. Um, So, yeah, we we kind of, we probably spent about 12 months kind of looking into how you go about it and um, even the legal side of it as well. So, contacted a lawyer and had a sperm donor agreement put together which later we found out wasn't worth the paper that it was written on (laughs) pretty standard I think but yeah we we basically um we spent quite a bit of time working out what what it was that was important to the three of us raising a raising a little one and and uh things like religion education um, you know names values you know ev- everything that was important to the three of us and and put it all into an agreement which was reasonably uh, yeah it was it was a, a pretty easy process I guess we were all pretty much on the same page about what we wanted um so yeah we we started started the process um I just uh, I've actually got police. Just, polycystic ovaries, ovary syndrome, I should say, got told at a young age that I wouldn't be able to have children. So my cycle is quite irregular, Um, but I just went about tracking it myself, you know, got some apps on my phone and some ovulation strips and all sorts of fun things. And, you know, peed on my hand 1500 times and (laughs) all over the bathroom floor and and everywhere else trying to, to track what was going on. Um, and then we tried twice. How explicit can I be?
2: You can be explicit as you want.
3: <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, um, well, my Instagram is is good. Mum say bad words, so I drop bad words all the time. But I'll try and be um, refined. Uh, so basically, we. Um, we tried twice. Uh, the first time was a bit of a disaster. Love so under the same roof, right? We were Your under person? the same roof. So he was doing his business downstairs in the in the guest bathroom, <laughs> which absolutely grossed me out. And, you know, I I've been with both men and women. So, you know, all about it. But it was just because it was him and I was thinking that he was doing that. And it was really quite disturbing. Um, and then, you know, insert this little a specimen jar and you know with my ex and i've got the syringe and trying not to get it everywhere and anyway i spoke to a good friend of mine because when i inserted the syringe the the semen went everywhere like absolutely everywhere i was all over my fingers in my butt crack
1: like it was honestly
3: (laughs) and i said look i've had sex with guys before but like how do you keep it how do you keep it in like how do you stop it from you know dripping into your butthole and she was like you just got to hold it you literally just got to hold it in (laughs)
1: did you have legs uh, up
3: i had my legs up i did all that which i later found out was an absolute crock of shit you do not (laughs) have to keep your legs up but here i was committed to the cause every time we had you know our four days which you know we obviously had research that the um you know you have your four or five day window depending on who you are and so by the time it got to the fourth or fifth day, and 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 on a serious note, it actually got quite stressful because, for me, who was really, really, probably out of the three of us, like I was more desperate than anyone to become a parent. Um, you know, I knew I was put on this earth to to be a mum, and I've always, you know, been part of something to do with children, and I I love children, and you know, and and so so do they but just not as passionately as me so um you know I would be trying to to rev them up every time and you know the the donor uh at the time he like I think a couple of times he in the first and second time that we first and second month I should say that we tried like he would message and say oh you know I'm just not up for it tonight and that would that was really gut-wrenching because I'd be like well tonight could be the night and you just can't be bothered and you know, it, it, it was really disheartening. Anyway, I was seeing an acupuncturist at the time and uh, I was talking to her about it and she was, you know, trying to, to help me on my journey of, you know, fertility and whatever. And she said to me, look, I'm going to give you a little tip. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, if you make yourself cum, it'll work. And I said, that's disgusting. Like, I can't
1: do that. I can't.
3: <laughs> Injecting this person's sperm into me whilst making myself come. I was like, mm, okay.
1: Anyway.
2: Doesn't sound romantic, doesn't, doesn't...
3: <laughs> well, I think they know anyway, but make yourself orgasm. There you go, the refined part. Um, pleasure yourself. So anyway, they... Uh, I. Did that I took her advice and it was the Christmas of 2014. Um so third time lucky, third time lucky, but to be honest, the first two times I don't think it was being done properly at all. <laughs> no one knew what that was There time. was so much semen in my house and <laughs> all over the place of should
2: Need a and, need a black light uh,
3: to go. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I even, I even felt a bit like should I even be doing it in the bed? Like, this is gross. And then so I ended up doing it in the theatre room because I was like, that's, like, more suitable. <laughs> it was just, it was weird. It was really weird. Anyway, so then, um, yeah, it worked. And uh, six years 30, later, 38, 38 weeks and three days later, little said human came, came into the world. So, yeah, it was it was a very interesting um, interesting process, um, but yeah, it was so, it was all the same.
2: So you you know you've talked about you you knew the donor it was your ex's friend. Uh yep. What happened? Like like how did you just approach him? Like was you just sitting down and you're like you know we want a baby, who's who's going to be our candidate? Who we're going to ask? You know was there any? Um,
0: Is that? I guess. Yeah, like he's he gay, gay too. But he was single.
3: Um, the process actually started because my mum came to me. Um, one of her friends, uh, friend's friend, you know, had a, it was one of those, oh, you know, I've got a friend who's gay. My daughter's gay. Like, you should be friends. You know, <laughs>
1: <one of those. laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: her. this guy worked um, for Channel 10 Studios and she was like, you know, he might be interested in having a child with you, you know, you guys should meet up. So my ex and I went and met with him and it was a really strange, you didn't know this story, did you? No, I did. okay.
0: Then you, yes. It
3: was a really, yeah, it was a really strange process, like sitting with this rando, having a conversation about (laughs) having a baby together. (laughs) And at the time we were kind of like, do we want the father to be, so I grew up with divorced parents and didn't have a lot to do with my dad growing up. Yeah. I do now, like he's really, really, um, present and the best grandfather ever but I was one of the things when we sat down talking about um, having a a child altogether. one of the things that was important to me is that the more people that this child had to love her the better you know that was my attitude that's since changed in terms of obviously you know the more love for a child absolutely Um, but the complication of having so many parents um, you know I I probably wouldn't Go about that again um but yeah we just um we decided that the the person that we met with was probably not the right fit for us um and then we ended up um yeah meeting with with said friend and um you know having a, a conversation about it and then we kind of not joked about it but it was you know something that we had I guess let, let's say joked about it and then one day we you know we all sat down and we we're like are we serious about this you know should we Should we do it? Um, His mum like burst into tears and just couldn't believe it. Um, Both him and my ex come from quite religious um, Greek backgrounds, Greek Orthodox backgrounds, um, which was fun. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was it just worked. Like I said, we just continued to have conversations. And then because of my cycle, it did take some months to be able to to get to know, you know, where my fertility was at and all of that. But absolute miracle baby in, in my eyes, like for that to work so simply when you've then gone through IVF for the next one, it's like, wow. And obviously the financial side is
0: completely different. Like you're paying for a test.
1: So
2: (laughs) you ended up picking a gay single man to, uh, uh, had this child with you said that you sat down and you discussed like religion and all that sort of stuff was that a was there a lot of disagreeing agreeing at that time you know was it everything thought of like you know what was the sitting down process like of going through all this uh, you know sort of like negotiating terms and deals sort of thing did he want much impact on the child's life does he currently have impact and like you know see the child uh now what, what's the relationship as you said you've got to be um having so many parents involved in the life and that you probably wouldn't do that again um but yeah take because obviously there'll be people listening today that are, are considering this um yep. in a similar situation that have uh, met uh where mums go i know a gay parent you um gay child you know, gay childless make gay bees. Yeah. <laughs> <you know.
3: laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, look, um not a lot of disagreeing at all, I think, because all of us somewhat had similar values. Um, I've always been very respectful of um any partner that I've been with in terms of their whether it be their religious beliefs or their family um, you know, situations or whatever. Um so religion, uh there was no doubt that both. Uh, donor and other mum uh, were both Greek Orthodox so that was fine for me I grew up Catholic but I respected that that was their religion and for me I believe more in in the universe rather than um, than other things but totally respect people's views uh, and I also which we we both share this um you know currently, the eldest goes to a religious school. So we think that it's really important for the child to have some sort of belief for them to give them an understanding of, well, these, are, you know, this is what you have to choose from and you can. It's their choice, essentially. But yeah. They're old enough. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, she was, um, she was christened Orthodox. Um, that was an interesting, very interesting process with the church and trying to explain that to the church. <laughs> <laughs> um, two months
0: the edge. Yeah, All three of us well, no, yeah, <laughs> we no, it def- it. definitely
3: wasn't sold like that. And the bishop of the Greek Orthodox hierarchy found out about it in the end and wanted to um, delete the baptism. <laughs> <laughs> off
2: the, off the... how yeah. do you do that in a time machine or like, yeah,
1: know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: look it was it was very it was very interesting very interesting but yeah most things um you know education we well two out of three of us had gone to a private school and had private education so that was something that we had said was important um What else did we discuss? So he was to be involved. In the agreement, there was actually some things written about things like discipline. So it was very clear that the two mums would be the parents, but financially it would be a 50-50 split. That became a little bit messy because um, it was kind of essentially then because we were raising the child majority living with you and well absolutely living with with us it was kind of like oh hey you know can we have 50 bucks for you know it was just like it was very messy and and to be honest like I didn't really want his money but he wanted to feel like he was a man and that he was you know contributing to raise the child and and all that so In terms of now, so I'll touch very, very lightly and briefly on that. So neither father slash donor, whatever you want to call him, or other mother um, are in either children's lives. Um, It's been away for two and a half years now yeah um, many other reasons we won't go into but many many yeah. other reasons that we probably can't speak about that's fair um the the other the the other parent um yeah the the separation was not was not nice which we'll probably touch on later in terms of IVF and the pregnancy um, but that's been her choice to to step away which is kind of interesting because i've gone along this um this journey and this path of and I wouldn't change it for the world. Bringing you know the the eldest into the world with three parents, but now choosing a donor that we knew yeah, would, it, would it. just not be an option. Mm-hmm. So mm. our family unit is so strong, and um, yeah, amazing that it just it just would not need to be complicated by adding um, you know a third parent or somebody else and their family Um, it you know it did work for a period of time back then um, for the situation but unfortunately when um yeah when when the little one was about nine months old around the christening time actually there was a a bit of an incident with um with donor's mum which yeah caused caused some issues and then that um yeah, it was basically he had to choose between us and his mum, which was not what we had, um, you know, said or anything. It was just like real European behaviour, that, like stubborn and ridiculous and um, just not in the child's best interest. So we had actually discussed having another child and had started to try for another child. And then we eventually... Um, yeah, lawyers got involved and stuff like that as well. In the end, and and that's when my ex and I decided that we wanted we wanted more children, and he didn't, given the situation. And we went down the the IVF path instead.
2: Yeah, and you know it is interesting. I mean, back in two thousand and fourteen you know, there wasn't a lot of information about artificial insemination online. I remember that was when I first came into it and started looking uh, at becoming a donor. And, you know, there wasn't much for me. I had to really search far and ride to try and find and extract this information uh, to, you know, understand. And, you know, there wasn't um, many donors to choose from online as well. Uh, it was a very uh, shady underground black market sort of thing back then, as some people yeah. like to put it. Uh, You know, I've I've cleaned that up since now and we've got some great, wonderful guys out there that want to become donors. But what I noticed from the very um, start and trying to look at court cases and disputes and legal actions and all that is... what happens is is you know and it's like divorce as well with a partner you know like child custody child support issues and all that you know the courts are full the family courts are full of those dramas uh every single day but when you pick a friend uh you know it's like being in a relationship you know you got you, you know you love all your friends you know like you don't say oh, hey, i love you but you know you're friends with someone because you have a love loving nature. You love their personality. You love who they are. You love hanging out with them. You know what I mean. Uh, so there, you know, there's elements yeah. of love with, with all with people and their friends in society. And so you've chosen this guy to have your children with. He's living under the same roof of you. He's got strong european um family origins
3: not living under the same roof but very close he he lived around the corner but just uh insemination first insemination was under the same roof but yeah no definitely not living together
2: (laughs) okay well you know anyway what i've noticed is is when people do pick someone that is relatively close to them or having uh um impact on, on their daily lives. So speak, uh, you know, that's, it's just as much chance of, you know, going through a divorce and child custody yeah. or child, um, you know, legal issues and that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from what we found now with sperm donation Australia and, and our other sperm donation world communities is that when you pick a stranger, you know, you obviously don't have prior feelings to each other or, or your partner, um, you know, I catch up with um, some of my recipients, but it's few and far between, you know what I mean? Like you'll meet up maybe every three or six months, 12 months, have a coffee, yep. kids run around yeah. together and then they go home and everyone lives, carries on their lives. And, you know, there's not an expectation of oh, um, chipping $50 here or, you know, yeah. you're, not, you're not doing this or... Or you know, like I don't feel obliged to um, do that, um, do anything. But for the child psychology, I'm I'm willing to come come over or meet at meet at a park or a, or a pub or a cafe for a lunch or or a coffee or, or whatever. Get a photo with the child, and then you know that child can go away, and the and the parents can show the, the, the pictures to the child as they grow up, and so, and that sort of like a loose connection, so to speak, but I still, you know, uh, but without me interfering in their lives, uh, you know, and and, it's never got, it's never gotten messy. It doesn't have to get messy. You know, the, the child's best interest is at heart, you know, like you've picked the parents to be the parents, raise the children. They're the parents. Uh, I'm just someone that, uh, you know, fulfills the psychology needs for the child if they ever have any growing up. That, hey, yes, you've met the donor. Here's a photo of you with the donor. Here's a photo of you playing with the donor's children, you know? And, and, and it's very simple. But when mm-hmm. you, when but what we've experienced is, and especially with same sex couples or, or single mothers by choice, is when you use a donor that hasn't been on a donating site either, by the way. So you're the sole target, you're the sole you know, you you know, rather than say you're the man that you picked has helped five other families, you know, I mean, there's less emphasis on your job. Yeah, you. yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So, it, you know, you're inviting yourself into a lot of complications. And, but the problem is normally people pick a guy that's been in a friend for five, 10 years, you know what I mean? And you go, oh, I trust this person any more than the world. But children is a complicated
1: mm-hmm.
2: issue to begin with. You know, it's, it's adding a whole new element. Uh, it's a yeah. live little human being. And you don't know how um, their emotions are going to be or what they start to feel like, well, that's part of me. Like, I really want this for the child. Or, you know, you don't you don't know what um, maternal maternism that kicks in wants to suddenly ideas evolve and all that like in terms of ideology in, t- in terms of what you know and then you might be thinking a different thing and and it's sad um because you know you do put a lot of faith in these arrangements to begin with and it can happen you know obviously now in your situation you couldn't use that donor again and you had to go down the IVF path so kicking on yep. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <Number two. laughs> You've come to that point. We're not yep. going to. We're not going to use him anymore. Yes. You, you start looking at other options. So, yep. what was it? You know, were you starting to look? We don't want to go through this this route again because it' too complicated. Uh, it wasn't
1: even. That, to
3: be honest, I think you just touched on that before. You know, it, it was for us. It, um, you know, we'd never heard of, and I don't think any of our friends or anyone in in you know in the community had done what we had done Um, in fact i think we were um probably one of the first if not the first in the um so we were part of the like a soccer community um you know a lot of gay people and i think yeah we were probably one of the first to have had a child anyway so uh kind of what i um alluded to before it's a very new concept meaning the last five to ten years for same couples to be reproducing whether it be through artificial insemination or whether it be through IVF so yeah we um started to google so there was no no one really to you know lean on for advice apart from friends just for personal advice but went to google and not for any other reason but came across um rainbow fertility so um they were very very new
0: name speaks for itself yeah speaks for
3: itself (laughs) but you know I, i i personally have never been you know this huge gay advocate you know i I, like I said before, have been with men and women, so I'm about the person, not the the fight, the struggle, you know, any of that. I think, um, you know, as I've evolved as a human. Um, Pansexual, is know, that what I call it? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I've, never, I've never put a label on myself. I just, yeah, you know. Yeah,
2: I'm not really one I'm for labels people. as well. I feel, you know, <sighs> I feel like, you know, when people try and, yeah, yeah, everyone's got personalities. You know, extroverted, introverted. Uh, you know, yeah. some people say if you're introverted, you might be autism and that. I'm just like, why do we have to label every single personality oh, trait? And-
3: <laughs> I can't stand it. Anyway, I, you know, I. Moving on, I um yeah. So we 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 just went for a meeting to um to Rainbow Fertility, which in I think in in Victoria, it, I think it was created in Victoria. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, went for an initial meeting and then kind of went. Oh, yeah, this feels feels good, and then just followed the process uh, accordingly. So one thing that we weren't aware of is that Rainbow Fertility were under the umbrella of a different fertility clinic. So um, we, yeah, they were kind of like a sub company to, um, you know, another another fertility clinic in Melbourne. But so they the take the process
2: they take commission they're pretty really much there like hey welcome all you same-sex couples into our you know into our community and um oh yep here yeah. you go and then handball them straight to that clinic that takes them you know obviously leads it down the way because oh, you know as uh, um same-sex couples uh, coming into this as you said in the last 10 5 years it's become really huge now like in terms Mm -hmm. of uh you know and this company is acting like it's sort of like this real community thing but really it's just a a a gateway of letting you walk through the door and passing you to these
3: commit clinics yeah i would say i would say i think that what they were creating was amazing for the community what i would say is that um because you know companies like Melbourne IVF or Monash IVF, they were your two big ones in Melbourne. Yeah. And for, um, you know, whether it be a a woman wanting to be a single mom or whether it be, you know, a a struggling um, couple with fertility, I think what they did was amazing. But I think that um, it's probably not until maybe, I don't know, the last five years that the gay community has more, like maybe they were a couple of years too early and that's why they needed the assistance by the other clinic. So I'll, I'll kind of um, explain it a little bit further. So Rainbow Fertility, the administrative side was managed by them, but the other clinic would do the procedures and the doctors came from the other clinic and that sort of thing. So because they were kind of like a bit of a startup, that some of the doctors from the other clinic went, well, you know what, we will we'll work for Rainbow too and let's try and help this community. So I think for a lot of couples, um, you know, that that are really about the labels and advocating for, you know, things that we don't so much yeah. make noise about, um, it was, it was quite a great way to make them feel safe and more comfortable um, for the sake of that journey because it is so invasive and it is so um, you know full-on that that was just you know kind of like ticking a box to say well you know what we understand how difficult this is for you for so many reasons Um, so you know we're, we're not going to treat you the same as what we would for you know those those other two scenarios that I explained before which for so so many same-sex couples is important to them for mm-hmm. us it wasn't um, you know, we didn't really care. It was, you know, I've always been someone that's about connection rather than, you know, like, oh, went through rainbow fertility because I'm gay. <laughs>
1: like it's,
3: you know what I mean? Like it's not. But, you know, the, the lady in administration was amazing. The nurse was amazing. And that's why we continued on with that particular um, clinic. And they were cheaper. So they were offering exactly the same services under the umbrella of the other clinic, but it was a cheaper service. So I think that, once again, they were trying to raise the, the, the Rainbow community um, and assist people, you know, in, in this similar situations to us. And it gave them, gave all the Rainbow customers access to the donors. um, the pool other, of donors. But Yeah, <laughs> well, that was another interesting, interesting part to it, picking a donor.
2: Yes, let's let's talk about
3: that. Well, my expectation was that, you know, you'd get a list of... A hundred? Yeah, well, I thought maybe (laughs) a hundred. Do you know what I mean? Like I actually thought, oh, yeah, like you'll get a hundred. Um, For us and even similarly now with Kariah, you know, not a racist thing, but I didn't want an Asian or an Indian baby. One of the major reasons is because I think being quite aware of society and what um, same-sex couple children will face, unfortunately, let's not add a, you know, a a looking different
1: to that. Yeah,
2: another cultural... And, yeah. and, then, and then that involves time as well, because you've got to look into, uh, they, they want to look into their culture and you probably don't have that um, support network of those uh, family backgrounds around there. And, you know, I've done a, a blog about picking uh donor with a different uh ethnicity it's great i'm all for um ethnicity backgrounds but it does take a lot of time and effort and involvement because yeah these children grow up and they want to start um socializing and mingling with um other families and children that uh you know look a bit like them as well they're naturally drawn to it it's something embedded in uh genetic um i don't know you know it's sort of uh like a um in the jungle like a a calf being attracted, you know, attracted, but at the, the feet of its mother and, uh, you know, the comfort of it. You know what I mean? The natural um, organic
0: thing happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And, uh, yeah, so I, it's it's fully understandable. It's not racism. Uh, you know, It's, it's it does uh, add an element. And some people love that and they're willing to yeah. put that time into, but it, it is a lot of time yeah. and effort. So, no, that, that's uh, completely understandable. And, yes, uh, the clinics in Australia do have... Um, seem to have a for of uh, Indian and, and Asian donors at, at the clinics. Uh, and sometimes it ends up being about 50-50 or even more so of uh, than Caucasians, which, you know, which is very strange, obviously, because we have the population in Australia is majority Caucasian. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it shows uh, whether, you know, different backgrounds are more inclined to becoming donors than other cultural backgrounds or, you know, say... So yeah, you've gone through the list. You're looking...
3: Yeah, we, we went through the list, and back then it was um, you pretty much. Uh, it was all paper, so now um, it's all online <laughs> for um, for us through through the clinic. But um, you literally, you know, picked donor, duh, 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 and then you could get the the full um, profile from them. So the other component to it, so. F- for, for us, we did two IUIs um, to begin with. So that's a completely different list as well. So we weren't fully made aware of that, I wouldn't say, to begin with. Well, I w- we possibly were but weren't paying attention, I'm not sure. But when we went through and chose, we actually chose someone from New Zealand and we were really excited about this donor. And, you know, so we went through two IUI treatments and then They were unsuccessful, and then I was deemed to be medically infertile, which basically just meant that um, the the IVF cycle would be bulk-billed. So obviously I'm not medically infertile because I already had a child, but for the sake of the clinic, it becomes a lot cheaper. But you do have to go through those two um, or one or two, whatever the clinic there could be more that they really do push for you to do the IUIs unless you have known fertility issues. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that they will always try first. So after that, those two failed attempts, which were really, really emotionally difficult. You know, you feel like you feel like you've had a miscarriage, even though you haven't even had a pregnancy. Um, And because you know the the firstborn was so easy to conceive. Um, it was like, well, you know, what's wrong with me? And it, the mental the mental struggle was was not fun. So then there was a conversation about um, about IVF. So another list gets thrown your way.
2: Hold on, we'll, we'll back it up quickly. Sure yeah so you've you've previously you previously did the home insemination you had two failed cycles on that on the third time it worked you've just yep. had two failed cycles of IUI at that moment compared to obviously i um home insemination after two failed two failed you know same what is the difference in the failure process? Um, obviously, there's money involved this time. Uh, the, yeah. that, does that come with extra stress because of the financial side? Um, you know, whereas it doesn't work. And this is your first time trying with Home Insemination Mile. You're trying for your first child. So you're very excited for your first time ever. This time you're, you're rocking up with the expectation that, you know, I've done it before. Let's do it again. Let's go for the mind frame of comparing the two after two failed cycles of each one.
3: I think the first time around, I really didn't think I was doing it properly. Yeah. So understanding the science of it. And, you know, when, when you're having, you know, when a man and a woman are having sex, um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who, um, you know, has been struggling a little bit with getting pregnant. And I said, you know, why don't you have an orgasm once again,
2: when you come
3: come every time you have sex, she was like, no I'm not I said sorry to get a little bit like um you know personal but and I said have you changed positions you know have you tried to change positions because you know when you do IVF, obviously it's so clinical that they're getting the sperm and they're getting rid of all the ones with the bad ones that's <laughs> the <laughs> shitty tails and you know <laughs> ones that are not going to get there which is fantastic great but when you're doing it um naturally you know you've got to Got to change things up. And I said to her, Are you tracking your ovulation cycles? And you know, are you peeing on your hands and sticking all over <laughs> your body? Oh, because you know, when you when you really commit to that cause, I think for me though, the first time around, it was I, I just don't think I was doing it properly, meaning there was more, there was there was well, yeah, it was the first time was just a joke, like it was honestly everywhere and yeah i i think the third time around i would actually say was probably the well it worked obviously but i think that's when it was actually done properly
2: so you, you know, mastered, the it,
3: properly. mastered
1: the art of- i
3: mastered the art um yeah but the and and, and without it- chips I should should know, yeah, yeah,
1: Either,
3: um, and, and there was things like to take into consideration too. You know, he lived oh, five minutes away. Yeah, five <laughs> minutes away. But who knows how long it took him to do his business in the cup, and then you Try know, over. probably made a coffee and
2: yeah.
1: Do,
3: do you know we what I mean? Like, probably I
2: dropped I, her on the ground and.
1: Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? I
3: have no idea. But it was like even I remember a couple of times he came over and he was standing at the door and he had it like in a a freezer bag and I was like, oh, this is gross. Like one time (laughs) I opened the jar and I smelt it and I was like, (laughs)
1: like just, you
3: know what I mean? Like for, for, yeah, it was just like it was a very, um, Hit and miss situation. So I wasn't so disheartened uh, first time around because I don't feel that we were doing it correctly in all facets. With When you go through a clinic and, yes, you are paying for it, I think the expectation is a lot higher because you've got the experts. They are es- essentially injecting this straight where it should be. You're not missing you know, the the semen's not in your ass crack and <laughs> <laughs> where it should be. So you're giving yourself every opportunity to um to create a human. So you know, when you get your period, you're like, oh, well, that's a bit shit, isn't it? Mm. Um so But they're giving you
2: yeah. I mean they're only giving you 0.5 mils of sperm though through the IUI. Um yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, at the time when I was going through all of that and, you know, I kind of in my brain, I must admit, looking back, I, I did set myself up to think this is not going to work. Mm. So even mindset and I must admit also, so I with um, my first pregnancy, I was really sick both my pregnancies i was really sick but i had bell's palsy for six months so for me that was the third time i'd had bell's palsy i had carpal tunnel in both hands i had diabetes Um, i couldn't drive because i had no vision because of the bell's palsy Um, my body had been through hell and eventually i i had a caesar so You know, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, one piece of advice that I give a lot of my friends when they have a a child is firstly there should be a warning on the second child and really think about whether you do want a second child. It's not just the process that you go through, which essentially is what we were doing. And in hindsight, you know, there were huge issues in the relationship that I probably thought at the time a second child will fix. Um, but you know, one piece of advice that I give to any, any couple is enjoy your first child and, um, and, and let your body with recover. One. Oh, it's so easy. So then you're like, oh, oh well, I can do it with two. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hard. One is a piece of piss. Like you literally, you know, and, and plus <laughs> my little one slept through from like five weeks.
1: Yeah. So. Of course, I have another one. If of course I said have
3: through. another one. She used to put herself to bed like she was just an absolute dream boat. Whereas when the second one came along, it was like, "What the actual fuck is going on here?" <laughs> uh, what was so the yeah. age? What were the age differences? Uh, two years and two months.
2: Yeah. See, I say my mine were three three years and a quarter, and yeah, uh, that's, I think
1: that's great. I, good.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I think I think that's a good rate. Um, Good age yeah. because you got a slave that go look yes. up. Yes, go to the fridge and get some, uh yes. uh f-
1: you know, milk. baby food or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah. get
2: milk from the ravine. Yeah, and you're yeah. uh, like, you know, but obviously when when they're younger, you know, they're a bit more. They're both dependent on you, so you don't you don't have that slave yet. They're working for you to help the. Oh. and now Yay. and now and now it's like. Go play with each other and leave me alone. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> That's I our was... morning, six o'clock. Oh, come come play with each other. You'll be right. Feed yourself. it's
3: yeah, so... in the fridge. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I was actually really lucky. Even at two years and two months, like she was so switched on that I'd say go get a nappy, and she'd go get a nappy for me. Yeah, you know, she was. She's such a great, great little human. And big, great big sister. Yeah, great big sister. Like really, really great. But you know, one child is is very, very. Well, it's it's easy, mm, you know. You yeah. you can. You can um, anyway, so yeah, it, basically, um, the the picking the donor. We ended up picking a donor that had Greek heritage as well, so Greek Egyptian. Yeah. Um. Originally, we had picked one that had German heritage, but one thing that I didn't understand too, and I'll probably get all the details wrong, is once you get all your blood tests and screening, and you get tested for all sorts of things and then there's that STD which I have no idea what it is or whatever and you know majority of the population are positive to it and both my ex and I were positive to it even though you know one had had sex with a man and one hadn't and you know like we didn't really understand it at all. I remember too, I got um, we had to get our police checks done and I was for sure like certain that she was gonna come back with a criminal record.
1: <laughs> next minute
3: next minute I do, like mine comes back with something and I was like, no, that's ridiculous. What? I was probably a speeding fine or something. Yeah, I can't even uh, remember.
2: You didn't pay
3: your speeding fine? Is that no, I oh, oh sorry for another podcast, I think, but didn't <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know what it
3: was. Yeah, I do know what it was. I got I got caught, but it wasn't me. It actually was not me. And I had to go to court and everything. And they ended up um, someone's back. That's cute. No. (laughs) Sorry for another time. (laughs) Anyway. So we yeah, we chose a German donor, but he had some uh genetic disease or something that then didn't um it wasn't going to be a match it actually you know what it's probably what we're going through
1: now. right now
3: but yeah. back then we just went nut. Nah. picked this other donor um and and that was it
2: so you you picked this uh greek donor was that had any influence yep. on your previous donor obviously you're thinking you know you're man yeah, yeah. i guess
0: too
3: yeah absolutely we were we were thinking about so um our eldest looks like my ex, which is yeah. weird. Like the Greekness has come Grace. through. Um, yeah, you know, it a lot of times got asked, like, you know, did you carry not me? Um, yeah. She's I'm,
0: very European looking. She's very, very blonde. It's Aryan. Blonde. Race Do you know? Who
2: it's actually really funny because like the ability to like especially now with online donors, you know, the same-sex couples or the um they come into the group, they're looking for someone that looks like their partner, uh, yeah. so, so their partner's funny, happy. And then yeah, it's very common now that the child actually looks yeah. more like the partner than it does with the biological uh parent. And yeah. and it's funny because the non-biological parents all chuffed about it and the and natural biological yeah. the actual biological um parent that thought it was a great idea at the time was like oh like you know like no one thinks it's actually (laughs) fine
1: well
3: i can tell you listeners that this greek donor genetics were not that strong because this child looks identical to me yeah like there is no greekness about this child very german very very german looking and you know blonde hair the most beautiful blue eyes sparkling blue eyes maybe they uh uh...
1: She's but the don't,
2: it does seem, though, that um, a lot of Greek people that I know, and I've helped a Greek couple as well, that yep. the, blue, the blue eyes do tend to come through. Like, a, I don't know, like, normally brown eyes is more genetic stronger, but the amount of Greek yeah. children that, you know, they have... Uh, right or well, they breed with a person from European or Nordic, or whatever um, uh, background, or German background. There, there's a lot of uh, blue eyes that come into them, uh, so you no, know, yeah. it, it, it's it's uh, interesting. But Not maybe, bad, huh? But yeah. maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe they, you know, you hear about all the sperm vials mix-ups and that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe got the German one. Maybe
2: maybe, <laughs> maybe you got the German one, and now in a loophole, you can say no, you stuffed up. Can we keep that sperm now? I mean, there's embryos. Yes, now.
1: exactly. If <laughs> only. No, I they mean, not,
2: normally most normally most people are pissed off when they get the sperm mixed up, but this probably could end up being a a, a good thing. I'm
3: mean, talking to you. But how many episodes do you want us on for? That's yeah. the question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
3: uh, yeah, so picked picked said donor. Went through went through our um, counselling sessions which um, I was actually talking to the the new counselor that we're, we're going to be using um, hopefully this time around and saying, you know, it felt like a, a catch-up with a mate rather than an information session. So I think once again um, kind of as these issues become more and more prevalent in society while this law is the way that it is, uh, clinics are really having to look at the information that's provided to couples because back five years ago um, and they actually alluded yesterday to the fact that this did come up around about five years ago four and a half years ago five years ago that a donor withdrew his consent in the program but not something that I guess, you know, has obviously gained so much media hype, et cetera. But now, given that we're at that 10-year mark, it's really becoming an issue. But And five years, like, when did
0: gay marriage become legal?
3: In oh, the last five years, right? Mm, so yeah. I When I was like, pregnant. Well, when yeah, I was pregnant.
0: So, so it's not six years ago. Or
3: pregnant. With- pregnant with Miller. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: I think it was yeah. around
3: 2017,
2: wasn't
0: it? Yeah. yeah so I feel yeah. like. That's probably why it's getting more coverage. But the thing is now, so because we're in Victoria, and you've spoken to obviously um, <clears throat> a couple of different news outlets. It's that they want to put our story on hold because right now the big story in Victoria is the lockdown.
2: Yeah. So, it's- yes, and- our story is
0: important, <laughs> but um, even the day that we were on ABC, we only aired on ABC in Adelaide because it was the same day that we went into lockdown. So it's like this is just the beginning of this whole thing, and really. it's,
2: and the media really, it's really weird. The media, it's like they got they got shares in the um fertility industry, or you know they they are tight knit and some under the table deals that they got going on. Because with that previous episode, I did uh you know I said to the lady going, look, you know you can talk about online da- donation having its issues and and this and that and you know her um wondering if sexual assaults happen on it and all this stuff. And I'm saying there's people who are paying money here and there's laws that are really crap in Victoria. And, you know, this lady's just gone through this. This is a big story, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, I'll look into it. I'll spoke to her, And she never even published the story. And I'm like, this is, you know, people's lives affected in a big way. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of same-sex couples and single mothers by choice now going down this um, route. And, yeah. you know, and you've just taught me something today as well that I've never come across and knew about this 10-year mark sort of thing that we'll touch on shortly. Um, mm. And I'm always learning as well and I'm around this every single day. And, mm. you know, this is, this is a big, big issue, big, big, you know, situation. And anyway... <laughs> Yeah, uh, basically we'll quickly, uh, quickly touch on, so you, there's a different list of IUI donors compared to IVF donors. This is because IUI donors, uh, some IU, IU donors have a real good big sperm count which can be put into 0.5 mils of vial which makes it, you know, at least give you some sort of chance of it working. Uh and then there's IVF, where the people, the donors, come in, and their sperm counts isn't as high, but it doesn't matter as much because they just put a few in a petri dish, so they don't have to, you know, do do the swim through the uterine um, channel yeah. to the fallopian tubes. So they, you know, it, you know they they do that. But the problem is with IVF donors as well is that it gives your child, your future child, um, their fertility probably won't be as high. And with you, Lisa, obviously you're using this. Uh, this route again because you've been deemed medically infertile um, now, so you know IVF is probably really and at your age now as well, with extra five years on um, okay. is so, sort of something that you know is something that's probably necessary for you. But yeah, the thing is as well, what they don't tell you is is you know with, with your medical infertility and the donor having a small count as well, you know for your grandchildren or future grandchildren, your child might have issues as well, and they don't really tell that story to people either um which i which i feel that they should start telling people but obviously it's a an ongoing future business for them you know in the in the, you know in the many generations before when we didn't have IVF clinics and people couldn't have children conceived naturally they weren't able to pass those genes on because you know obviously they could never have a child to to do that and then that would just fade out but now uh, and it's great that everyone can have a child this way and um, and all that, um, but I you know if I was running a clinic and uh, you know I would say to people that are medically infertile you know for your grandchildren's sake I you know you really do need to have you know if you got, if you're really fertile yourself and you want to use a donor that hasn't got not so good sperm yeah then I'd probably match you with each other but if you're both um, lacking in the fertility department for grandchildren's sake you know you don't want your um, your child having um, the trauma and all that sort of stuff of uh fertility issues because it, it's it's a hard process so you've picked your donor you've gone through the counseling sessions uh let's talk about the counseling sessions what was your experience with them did you feel that you got a lot of information was it just a lot of information coming out of you that was hard to take in because you're learning something new for the first time you know like how did you find that situation
3: Um, I have actually been asked this question a lot and it's difficult, you know, to try and remember back five years. But one thing that I do remember is um, uh, obviously I touched on before, we were having problems in our relationship. So I was, I think like we we must have fooled the counsellor very well that everything was all fine on our front because it was absolutely not. And one thing that I have since touched on, with the, the clinics recently is I think that that's really important. Also, like, it's great to have counselling sessions to let the couples know how, you know, things like this can happen. And, and it was, do you, Would you say it was, like, more about the process of IVF than it was
0: a counseling Like, it was more of an informative session? And I've got an idea and I'm about to obviously go into it, but yeah. would you not say from the stories you've told, it seems to me that it, the sessions are more of an info session yep. with the couple or single parent, whoever it might be,
3: versus is this couple actually stable? Yeah, can they bring a child into the world? I I think the interesting thing that I do recall, um, and the two counselling sessions uh, two weeks apart, an hour each, and one thing I do remember is uh, like a lot of stories, talking about a lot of stories about Aaliyah, who's, you know, the, the oldest child, and it was kind of like, oh, well, you're already a parent, so you get it. And I think that's that's irrelevant. Mm. You can have ten children, but if you all of a sudden have to go through IVF, I wish there had been more information about the egg pickup, and you know that was horrendous. Um, you know the effects that the drugs might have on you. You know, it, there's. I I do hope to advocate and make a change, and I believe already that we have been able to do that with, um, you know, the the couple of clinics that we've already been involved with, just about the processes around that, not just consent forms, but actually the information, um, you know, as you touched on before, yes, it is a massive business, and one of the issues that we're facing at the moment is a clinic that is so caring, so understanding of this situation, so sympathetic, so helpful versus ones that have literally said our fees are competitive, there's nothing we can do to help you and that's where the embryos are right now, that clinic, versus the one that the embryos were created at who have no obligation apart from a moral obligation to help us and they're doing everything in their power to do that. Whereas where the embryos are currently being stored, um, because they haven't yet been
1: um,
3: destroyed or discarded, um, that, yeah, they've essentially turned their backs on us and and said, "Good good luck."
2: With you know the problem I feel is is the government, the lawmakers say, "All right, you've got to do some counselling sessions. You have to do it's mandatory," but there's no success rate of. Decl- you know declines my understanding is um because i've seen some donors that gone through a very unsuitable that have gone through there that are probably not psychologically fit really to donate as well but because they're so desperate for donors they'll Especially, do yeah. they'll do you know <laughs>
1: That's, that's quite
3: interesting because we were looking at a donor the other day, and one of the processes that I think is really important for people who are looking to to go on this journey to understand is that you 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 essentially being like a judgmental arsehole looking at this piece oh, of really paper feels so and going, oh my god, no, he's too short. Oh my god, he's fat. Oh my god, his grandma had cancer at ninety three oh, and died. Dad like- started
0: graying at thirty, or his brothers got X, Y, and Z. Like it's it's just a part of the process, but you wouldn't... Put your stats on paper and yeah, see who exactly. you, <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know what I mean? But we were looking at one the other day and, and this guy was, well, on his donor profile, it said that he was, well, one actually had a brother who had schizophrenia and mental health issues. Well, so does mine. So, you know, is that a reason not to use somebody? And, and another one was um, taking antidepressive medications and when I spoke to the um the the donor office about it he had said you know he was pretty sure that he wasn't on that anymore and it was because of a, a breakup and yeah it was it was a very it, it's a very very confronting and difficult situation because essentially you're looking at 10 20 years in the future of what your child's going to be like also looking at your own um you know genetic history. But you know, if you're going to a nightclub and getting pissed and having a one night stand, like and you don't know, you really, they're asking oh, for do their donor profile, Yeah, you? exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I think I think I think when you're paying I think when you're paying for a service and that uh, you know you're paying for those tests, you're paying for genetics, you know, it's sort of something uh whereas you know one night stand just like da, you know I mean like it's sort of like a to kind of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, you don't yes. know what you're getting inside. <laughs>
3: before you finish just let me know are you on any medications has anyone died of cancer and um yeah no it's a it's a very um yeah it's a it's a difficult process i think and one that you have to kind of um really be in the right mindset to be you know and and for us obviously with this recent devastating news um with <laughs> our dogs just
0: our pu- new puppies just happily playing playing right outside where we are. Uh,
2: <laughs> Excuse
3: people.
2: You're ruining the I, podcast. I
3: know. <laughs> children <laughs> and pu- children and animals don't deal don't don't deal with them.
2: Yeah. Um <laughs> No, but I think, you know, the thing is it's a formality, these counselling sessions that the, the government yeah. requires them to do. And I don't, you know, as you said, it's just an information session rather than really assessing you yeah. as, as a person and where you're at in your life or how your relationship's going or delving into that relationship, uh, yeah. you know, and the same way with the donors. And I really feel that it should be done by a third party that hasn't got a link with the clinics and then that, yeah. pro- that form then processed to the clinics. Because right now I feel like it's, you know, it's just like, well, we're just charging for the cancelling. That's an extra fee we get to profit from ourselves and we just pass them through anyway. And that and that's probably why I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of good people that go to clinics that use the clinics. But for me, donating at a clinic is not something I'd do because like, while well, you two might be great people. The other person that picks my sperm, you know, is like... You know, I've had people that are going um, going to the clinic um, that were dating a murderer that's serving time in jail. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable with my children being related to that child, not because of the child itself, but for, the, yeah. for them to go over and play at that person's house where a man will come out 10 years later from jail and, and be under the same roof and my child playing over there. You know, like for me, that yeah. doesn't sit right with me. So for me, it's sort of like, I'm looking at you now. Um, oh yes, I'll donate to you at a clinic because I feel, you know, like, you know, that you're good people and 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 uh, good personality and sense of humor and vibrant and and all that sort of thing. You know, like that's sort of how you assess. Whereas when you're just donating at a clinic, it's sort of like whoever the paying customer is. And I don't I don't value their counseling sessions. Their counseling sessions yeah. aren't good enough for me to put my sperm in their hands.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying, and I think that's why it's such a confronting, um, you know, uh, scenario. But I think one of the things that may be, you know, Karaya actually was talking to me about this the other day about um, there's a lot of of lesbian couples that are really really firm on like the donor, like oh, who's the dad, or oh, the donor.
0: Yeah, um, as in just the language around. Saying it's a donor, not you know, people that ask, oh, who's the dad? No, it's yeah, don't I like we're again not a very yes, for a gay couple, obviously, but we're um, we say dad, yeah, we say dad, and yeah,
1: like,
0: yeah. Most of the kids speak about their dad.
2: It's like uh, and and it's about political correctness, isn't it? About labeling, having to put a yeah. label on yourself, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you two yeah. are you and two are in love with each other, you don't need to put a label on that love, you know, you, you, um, yeah. you know, obviously, you. Would be seen as a gay couple, uh, you know that how society would see you as and a same-sex couple raising children and taking them to school and pick up from school and and all that sort of stuff. But I feel, you know, as a you know, someone and some people get really offended by that, You know, and I say to uh, you know the people that I help, I don't care if they call me by my name, they call me Dad, I you know whatever the child that's wants fine. to identify with me, I'm not going to go yeah. correct them. And go, no, I'm the donor, not your Dad. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like. You know, I think that's just really immature. You know, the child's yeah. going to come up with their own uh identity and, and issues, and if that's yeah. what they names that they want to use, let them use it. Who cares? It's just a word. Like, it's. I so- respect,
0: you know, what what couples um or anyone in the world does with labels or donors and dads and yeah, whatever. But it's just not something that
3: we strongly. Mm. I think that's why people um, go will lean towards clinics though because there's that kind of they're anonymous you don't yeah. see like if we said to you hey you know how do, how do you feel about giving us your sperm like we can see you and mm. for us now, it's that's not kind of that we want. Yeah, it's not something that we want. And it's funny yeah. because
0: we've never spoken about it, but obviously the last two weeks have been very overwhelming for us, and we've had like spam donations left right and center. And oh, we're yeah. like, that's really amazing. Thanks for your support, but thanks for no thanks.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, but like it's it's interesting as well because it's like uh, you know we we're. We, this community now has been started in two thousand fifteen. Spare Donation Australia. Uh, yeah. So you know we've got we've got a large array of donors now. More men are coming here now than the clinics now because they're preferring the option of you know um, helping someone that they can see and and feel it's going yeah. to a good home and they can you know they feel more at ease. You know it's it's same like we get donors that donate at clinics and then they a few years later they think. What happened to my what happened to my donation or is these children being looked after yeah. are they getting beaten by a stick uh, you yeah. know and then but and yeah. then but now we're seeing same-sex couples obviously as you said touched on uh, in the last few years same-sex uh, yeah. uh, marriage has been legal uh, we're seeing yeah. a large amount of families being born a lot of these children yeah. are now are three to five years old three to six years old and yeah. um and we got a lot of the and originally uh unlike you they went to the clinic first (laughs) you're a pioneer in the home insemination uh, thing Um, but they went to the clinic first but now their child is between the age of three and six and they and they exactly how you said it before they you know the the donor like we don't want to know who the donor is and that but now the child is constantly asking them questions about the donor does my donor like sport does my donor like maths or you know what i mean and they go oh we don't know and now we're going same-sex couples coming through going well this time we're going to pick a donor that we don't doesn't necessarily have to catch up but if the child asks a yep. question we can say hey the child asks this about you and then we can give that information back rather than the child mm-hmm. thinking for 18 years and building that up manifesting in their mind of you know not having those answers those the answers cleared up right then and there and then they go on Living their life with their family and their parents, and it's
0: actually quite funny in our household because obviously our eldest, uh, you know, for three years of her life, of her life knew her dad. Yeah, um, and always, and even speaks about Lisa's ex and has many true stories that she'll just randomly blurt out and say, "I oh, remember when," and "Remember this," "Remember that," and then so our three-year-old has then cottoned on, and she's given her donor dad a name—is John, I think. John. 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 Um, ah. and you know, we've never. I probably up until recently, because of what's happened, we've never spoken about Miller's dad. Yeah. Um. But she, the three-year-old, makes up stories about. Remember at my, oh, you know, at my dad's house, he does this, and at my dad's house. But she's purely only copying her big
3: sister. You want to come say hello? Can you say hi. Say Actually, hi. At, 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 June, at June's at house. Well, that's a uh, great. George. She's
2: a she's a little great goddess, isn't she? Yes. yes. Hey.
1: hey. <laughs>
3: so um so Jun uh has another two children at his house apparently so one is called Heidi and one is called Lily and Lily is a boy and we hear about constantly oh at my dad's house Lily always throws his food at the wall or you know whatever it may be and we just let her live this um idea of whatever it is you know she's free to have an imagination that runs wild and you know and we support that and and um you know love that that she has that concept it was really difficult though when we got the news um you know a couple of weeks ago because you know there was a lot of tears um I'm a very strong woman it takes a lot (laughs) for me to cry
1: Um,
3: this is the place to do it
1: yeah well I (laughs)
3: yeah I was, I was devastated. And, and, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, we show emotions in front of our kids and, and also talk through those things. So I didn't, I I didn't talk it through with, with Miller because she's three and a half, but with Aaliyah, she understands a lot of things. She's very, very switched on. And yeah, I, I, I quite loosely explained to her what, had happened and how that made me feel so Mm. you know we we're very open and very um I think it went a little bit like mum why
0: are you sad and you said oh Mila's um dad is a little bit of a bully and then she goes Mila your dad's a bully
3: (laughs) (laughs) something along those yeah now I did go into a little bit more depth but as she was going like you know nodding her head nodding her head she goes mum what's for dinner?" (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> obviously gets a sensitive side from a dad. No, I'm kidding. But um no, yeah, it was um the counselling sessions were very, I think ticking a box. That's yes. I think that's probably the the easiest way to explain it was ticking a box. Okay, next, what do we do now? We meet with the nurse and we go um through the treatment plan. So for me, obviously, my cycle um being irregular, we had to uh track that. However, however it went, and then oh, the drugs were just foul, absolutely foul.
2: They're hardcore these drugs, aren't they? And uh, you know, it's just—it's not like taking a Panadol or or anything. You know, these
3: these oh, are hardcore,
2: I, hardcore stuff.
3: I think what you said before—it's um, like having a drug overdose. So you know, I'm like. Looking back, um, and it's something that I was really, you know, it was it was really. I said to my my um, my ex at the time, who actually has suffered mental illness, so borderline personality disorder, depression, anxiety, and I have that in my family with my brother. I'm someone that has been around mental mental illness my whole life, so very very in tune with it. And I said this in an ABC article. I literally there was a point where I was like, I just don't want to live. You know, these drugs that they were pumping into me just made me feel, you know, and I had obviously a child to look after at home and I was going through this going, you know, this is after the two failed IUIs and the doctor, so there were two doctors to choose from and the female was booked out, so went with the male. And I've suffered um, or been through sexual assault um, as an 18-year-old. I lost my virginity to being raped and so probably the reason why I found uh solace in women um also very independent woman so men kind of have been a bit um intimidated by you know I've been self-employed since I was 22 and you know kind of a lot to take in terms of um you know, an independent woman. So having gone through through that assault as well, it was really difficult having the male doctor, the amount of, you know, I, I would have had between, I don't know, 30 to 50 internal ultrasounds, blood tests and, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it it's bloody awful, not to mention the uncertainty of, of it all. So, you know, I've been kind of um, talking to Kariah about it and, you know, what, what we're kind of um, looking to, to 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 go through ourselves now together, and yeah, it's a it's a shit process. It is, you know, a really really invasive, horrible process for an amazing outcome if it I- works for you.
2: You know, compared to spilling semen on your bum um, yep. <laughs> and taking and these, that is that is that nothing on these drugs. You know what I mean? Like-
3: change your sheets and you know move <laughs> I mean, on we'll find out when
0: we go through it again but the drugs obviously in the last five years have changed and it's supposedly meant to be less of a roller coaster but oh no I think that was
3: I think that was so once I went for my egg pickup so I was self-employed at the time owned to uh takeaway food chops in Melbourne so worked very very long uh horrible hours into the early mornings and so finding time was really difficult too. And when you obviously go through IVF, you're, uh, you're going with your body and how your body is going at the time. So that was really difficult. My ex wasn't there for 90% of it because it was like you need to be in here tomorrow or you need to go to that blood test tomorrow or you need to, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, as well as obviously, you know, the injections and, um, you know, the tablets and all of that and remembering um, making sure that you know you remember to to do all of that. So my beautiful wife now has me on uh, you know Google Calendar and all sorts of great technology. But <laughs> I was a, a paper diary gal back then. Yeah. So you know if I didn't have my um, you know I wasn't setting alarms on my phone or doing anything that like that. So um, yeah, one of the the things that that Karaya has definitely brought into my life is is that uh, technology of organization which is fantastic but I was so definitely you get when you date younger people well that's very <laughs>
1: true
3: <laughs> very true but yeah it was it was really um you know say you were like five minutes late or something like that you felt like oh shit I've, I've ruined the whole process yeah. um a lot of guilt and and one of the really really difficult things I think is you know you want your I'll say it again the relationship was in such turmoil and then you add this pressure into it, yep. and yeah. man, so. and you and you're meant to <laughs> stay calm. Well, that's impossible. You know, you're meant to be in this like Zen state to make sure that you know your body is ready to take on this this journey in pregnancy. And um, yeah, it wasn't enjoyable. You know, the the process wasn't enjoyable at all.
2: Yeah, and, you know, there's a few things I want to touch on here, as you know, you bring up some very important points and for people listening who are considering going down this pathway. Um, but look, I was listening to a podcast where a specialist was talking and, and this was just about women taking the pill you know, uh, yeah. in terms of when you're on the pill, your hormones are different, you're more inclined, this was in terms of they're talking about a heterosexual um, relationship and stuff, but you're more inclined to pick someone who's more out there or, you know, more adventurous or, or um, you know, like bad boy sort of style, um, risk-taking sort of nature, um, you, you tend to be more attracted of that. And then what they were saying is, is, but when you decide to have a child with this person, you decide to get mm-hmm. off the pill and then yeah. all of a sudden your hormones change so much that you're like who who am i what why am i with this guy why am i with this person um and th- and and that's just from stopping taking the pill It's mine altered you and this is yeah um, and this is just the pill like this is, and now we're going next level with these Hardcore clinical yeah. medications that make you sick, make your, your mind change, uh, yeah. and so. Based seeing on on this, when you went to the counselling and you did your counselling, yeah. do they tell you that you know your relationship is going to be tested here? You know these hormones yeah. from the medication, so they look at your partner that's not caring, saying you need to be understandable that. You're gonna have. You could potentially have some more arguments. Potentially, her mind frame might change over the during this period. That just uh, be supportive. Be supportive. You'll get through this, and and, you know, and get on the other side. Because so many people, heterosexuals, couples, same sex couples, break up during the IVF (laughs) process.
3: Yes. I'd like to see the statistics. I, I had, um, I've had quite a few of my friends who have actually messaged me on Facebook saying, "Like, I can't believe you're going through this." But my marriage broke up during the IVF process. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely not something that is that is touched on in those counselling sessions. Or it, it definitely wasn't for us. And and to be to be honest, I don't think that that my ex had the mental capacity to support me through that she was unable to um, support herself on the best of the days.
2: But you didn't know this, you know what I mean? Like you're coming in trying to bluff your way, you know, we're all roses, accept us, yeah. but let us pass the counselling. If this lady or the counsellor, whoever your counsellor was, said to you like, you know, this is could potentially put your relationship at risk, you both got to be strong, you could sit there and go, well, hang on, we're not really strong right now and this is, you know, like, you know I mean? You weren't aware that it could go deteriorate any no. further than it did. You know, you didn't have the information put across to you. And that's what I'm saying is with these counselling sessions, they're just a formality rather than giving you the information. Um, you know, if a person goes in there with a mind frame that my partner is potentially going to change during this, this um, you know, this whole medication of drugs that they're taking uh, to be understandable and tolerable of that, they're already in a mind yep. frame of accepting that. Whereas that they, when they're not put across just thinking you're being a bitch or, you know what I mean, like you're, you know, yeah. uh, uh, and then they withdraw from you because they're not aware that it's the medication doing this. But then yeah. are, the, are the clinics purposely not telling you that because then that might deter you from using their services? You know what I mean? So you
3: know, you know what I think it is and something else that I've found out and, you know, I was baffled. Uh, I found this out yesterday or the day before. Uh, not every counselling session is done by a Psychologist, some of them are counsellors now to me given the nature of what you're going through again would you not think like there's a big difference between a counsellor who to me is like a support person and someone who's gone and studied psychology or psychiatry
2: mm. I, and so i really you know, since I've been involved in this industry and seeing doc, some some doctors' opinions, some fertility expert opinions are, are totally contrasting to the other person's opinions. You know, yeah. and I'm like, well, someone has to be wrong here. You know, like, you can't yeah. both be right because they're both saying opposite things. And then yeah, you hear, the, right. and then you hear the counselling psychology. And I've done six or seven years now in looking at don't conceive people and looking at the what makes them think this way, what made them be the person who they are. And I actually think that I would be a better psychologist than probably 99% of the current ones out there. And uh, yep. maybe, maybe because I'm passionate about it, it's not, not a job for me. Uh, I don't yep. know. But there is some very, and as you said, like use counseling information that you went through was more of an informative just chat. Then, you know, telling people
3: who have gone gone through it? I had an old school friend of mine, um, like primary school friend of mine, reach out and say to me once again, such a shitty situation. And her friend had has actually become a fertility counselor. So I'm not sure what qualification, but she now dedicates her life to helping people through their IVF journeys because she was unable to have children with, you know, I think maybe. Or quite a lot of failed attempts in the in IVF. So, you know, I think people who have gone through it uh, would be better suited to educate than counselors. Yep,
2: mm. hit it right on the head. Um. So, all right. Um. You touched on that you were sexually assaulted, which is it's a very yep. sad thing, but it, unfortunately, it's so common in society. It's it's it's, it's a shit thing. You know, so you talked about there's a lot of prodding and touching that's difficult to, you know, do. You're in the hands of a professional, uh, but essentially they're still a stranger. So compared to, you know, your partner that you did home insemination with back in the time, you know, what is, you know, uh, we've got people, no doubt, listening today who have been sexually assaulted and and they're wondering which pathway they should take, you know. um, From a mental state of mind is this, you know, uh, even if they are considered a professional, all this internal ultrasounds and prodding and that, like, for instance, if you're you're medically infertile and you have no option of of doing the IVF route, you know, is this something that could be a deterrent between picking the clinic route or using home insemination in in the hands of either yourself, doing it yourself or a partner inseminating you rather than um, internal ultrasounds and prodding from essentially a stranger? Yeah, what would you what how would you um, explain that or you know um, tell other women who are sort of considering this path that probably are petrified about the thought of uh you know, even a professional being able to prod down there and, and all that?
3: I think um one thing that I have definitely um, you know, after uh going through everything that I have in my life, I came to a point being uh pregnant with a two year old and and being on my own. I was deep down dark in a hole and decided to climb out of it and realize what was important to me and one of you know one of those things was realizing how important my own mental health needed to be to be the best possible mum that I could be so my advice would be to anybody to always follow your gut so when we were at the clinic and we had a choice between Dr A and Dr B and Dr A was not available. It's not necessarily a reason to say, we'll choose Dr B. I very much felt like a number. Mm. Um, And subsequently Correa and I will not go back to that doctor, even though once again, if we go to the same clinic, same location, we have a choice between A and B. So B is just not an option. Um, I don't want to feel like a number, especially when I'm having someone inside of me. Um, I did explain my sexual past to him, but, you know, he's like this, you know, old Russian dude who really was like, next, next, yeah.
2: next. He, you don't need that. Do um,
3: you? No, definitely not. So that would be my advice to really follow your gut. It's such a a difficult, hard situation to go through and you need to feel comfortable. If you're feeling uncomfortable, then you need to stop and feel comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, if that makes sense without contradicting it. Mm. You know, there are a lot of blood tests and a lot of of prodding and and the drugs and everything. So yes, if you're going through the counselling sessions and you feel like that you have more questions or you want more information, ask. Because there's no point for me looking back I ticked all the boxes that I needed to, to create a human being, which essentially I needed to actually realise the magnitude of bringing that human being into the world the way that I was at the time. So, you know, both personally in my life, but also going through that process. So I had in my head I wanted another child and I was going to do anything To do that, and that's not the reason that you should bring a child into the world to put yourself through all of that without really fully understanding the magnitude of that. So, I, looking back, my gut feelings were all there. I just ignored them.
1: Mm.
3: So that would be my advice: that you know, do your research, and you know, now there is a lot more awareness. There's a lot more to it in terms of Facebook and Instagram, and you know blogs and and all sorts of things reach out to people if you resonate with somebody else's story you know I'm sure if they're on social media that they'd be willing to share their stories stories with you so you know I've never kept my sexual assault quiet Um, I dealt with it the way that that I did you know at the time but it's something that you'll never forget and um, you know whether it be Uh, having sex with a partner or going through IVF you know it's difficult for any woman to allow somebody to um, you know to enter that sacred space so you need to feel comfortable you have to
2: and you know we keep touching on the counseling sessions but do they probably tell you any information about you know the internal examinations and uh, you know all that That's involved, you know, like you need to make sure that you're comfortable or this, you know, or see this person if you're not, uh, you know, get extra help, you know. It's it's Uh,
3: not not for us anyway. I mean, and I'm only going to speak obviously about my own personal experience, but I really felt that the counseling sessions, it I'll say it again, it was like you have a child, therefore you're good to go. You know, Mm. you know what it's like to have a child. So um, yeah, you, you you know, you'll be right kind of thing. But I really, really would like to see a change. And the, the change might already be there. I don't know because it's been five years since I went through it. But I would really like to see a lot more education to women like myself who, um, yeah, that the, there are so many issues that I feel were just definitely not touched on or if they were not serious enough. You know, it was like a catch-up with a mate and, you know, both of them, I remember laughing and telling stories about, you know, our daughter and and whatever. And, and to me, it should be extremely serious. There are so many really, really, really important, pivotal things that need to be addressed at that level to ensure that people do understand. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe it is a revenue, a revenue raiser to say, well, you know, we're not going to put these people through counselling and scare them off so then they don't come through. Um, the clinics, especially same-sex couples, because essentially, as I touched on at the start, ten years ago, IVF was all about people who were infertile, not mm. same-sex couples or not mm. single women deciding at you know thirty-five or forty years old that I don't need a man; I'm just going to do this on my own. That wasn't a thing.
1: Mm.
3: I definitely mean, wasn't a thing.
2: Do you feel that you know we're talking today, and the subjects that we've touched on uh, and brought up? You know, we've touched on a lot of things that should be raised in counselling that haven't would mm. you say this is like obviously i'm not counselling you but for people listening this would be more of a counselling session listening to this it's podcast fun. than going to a counsellor in terms of what they can learn and i'd say and- we're
3: raising a lot more awareness than than uh was previously raised definitely you know and and i i, I wouldn't be surprised if you know down the path i become one of those women that goes around and speaks about stuff like this not in a um you know i think I, I i've said to you already i'm not here to um you know out the clinic or you know anything like that i don't i don't think i think it's more of a legis- legislation problem where they're told that okay we need to tick this box in order to do this no one well- if the
2: I don't think it's an out, I don't see it as an ask versus the clinic or hating the clinics or, you know, people quick to judge that. Um, I feel that we are here today to raise issues that things need to be done better. And if we can help couples yep. in the future Absolutely. By, Absolutely. by stamping up and raising awareness and talking about issues that yep. are really affecting people that aren't getting done, you know, we need to yell out and say, there's a problem with this this here this is not elaborate here there's not enough information here this is what has affected me afterwards that um, I didn't get told about during we've broken up our relationship's broken up because you know we weren't aware of the hormone you know all you know, so many stuff that we're talking about today which would be more essential for people than just going through a formality counselling session at a clinic currently. And really, yeah, we shouldn't people shouldn't having, have to listen to a podcast to get this information. They yeah. should be hearing it yeah, firsthand I, from the specialists.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we, we actually did touch on that with the clinic and said, um, you know, I said, if we are the reason that your consent forms change and your counselling sessions change and all of that, then great. And I said, I'm happy to come and meet with the, you know the CEOs and the, the heads of each department, you know, it's no a national matter. company. I'm happy to share my story. Mm. And good on the you. The thing is, we we go through this process again in Victoria. We
0: are taking and the law doesn't change, we're taking the same risk.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That anyone else is taking that's why a bit off topic, but any friend that I know who lives in Victoria uh goes into state to go through this process. And mm. whether this is the reason why, um obviously it's probably people weren't aware of it, but that's a very big reason why. But um, another reason is because interstate um, clinics have access to international donors and a much larger donor list. But, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously have been through, or at least has been through the IVF process already, and we obviously want more kids, so we need to do it again. And going interstate for us is just not financially viable, but it's something that a lot of Victorian couples have to do.
2: Um, so we'll quickly just finish up on the question of the clinical medication. You said you put on five kilograms of fluid within 48 hours.
3: I did. So, um, once I had the egg pickup, so yeah, that was done at a facility in Melbourne. Um, two things. So firstly, um, you know, obviously your legs are up and they're inside you doing what they're doing, what they're doing, pulling out those, those eggs. My left hip was dislocated or something along those lines. I couldn't walk for two weeks, which was horrendous. Obviously, also having to work and having a uh, sure. a two-year-old or almost two-year-old, um, that was really difficult. But then I was very, very, very close to being readmitted back into hospital with hyperstimulation, whatever it's called, ovarian Syndrome. Really, yeah,
2: yeah yeah hyperstimulation really cool.
3: yeah um it was like it was horrendous i literally i looked pregnant i had yeah 5 kilos of, of fluid the pain was worse than my cesarean that i'd had um well both of them that i've had now it was yeah it was awful and I, and once again i don't think that the the doctor had really um touched on the pain or the or the experience of what that may be it was more like oh this is a side effect and what it will essentially delay is the opportunity to have a fresh embryo transfer so for me um, what had happened is is exactly that and then because I was so hellbent on you know this child and everything going, the way that I wanted it to go, you know, I lashed out at the clinic. I lashed out at the doctor, um, you know, all these hormones running through my body because my cycle was so irregular. The egg pickup had been done and the transfer was meant to be done in the December of 2016. Um, And my body just went, nut. that's not happening. And so, yeah, then the clinic was closed. The doctor was away. And then I had to wait again, which I was really pissed off about you know, it, essentially it was out of their hands, but I just feel like the information, I wasn't kind of put in, a, um, in the right mental state to understand that this is what your body could do. And, you know, I don't know the statistics on how many women do react like that, but it seems that, you know, most of the time it ends up being a frozen transfer, not a, a fresh transfer. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I had it in my head that that was going to be the best chance of getting pregnant, was doing, you know, doing the fresh. But going back one step before that, so once your body's filling up with all those fluids and everything, you're also getting a phone call every day to let you know how successful your transfer has actually been. So here's someone medically infertile, inverted commas. I had 24 eggs and I ended up with six embryos. So not so medically infertile and quite quite a good result how old were you at this um, time 35
2: yep. 34 34 so you're, you're on the very cusp of when it starts to deteriorate you know i mean like you're at you're at a level where it's still you know you get good air quality and and stuff like that as well uh so you know your five six embryos that you've got you know you'd be relatively you know knowing that they're in good quality now in storage
3: yeah, yeah. And and that, um, but, you know, but that was really, I guess, also once again, and maybe, I, you know, maybe I wasn't listening, or maybe the information wasn't really um, conveyed, but I was kind of like, um, they were calling me every day, and I was hearing what they were saying, but I'm not sure I was actually absorbing the under like the scientific side behind it that okay we've got 24 eggs and now those 24 have turned into you know for argument's sake 16. so you know those other ones have died off they're not going to be viable etc and as the days are going on and then understanding that you know you've got a a day two embryo a day three embryo etc etc i still don't quite understand the whole concept behind um, all of that and would like a lot more education on that going through the process again. So my mindset is really like um, for, for Kariah and I to enter through this process is to throw out all of that that's happened, not dismiss it because it's definitely a huge, huge part of my life um, and also facing a huge grief, obviously, with, with what's happening with these embryos, but to really take the, the process on from start You know, with some of the information, obviously, having gone through it, but to have a fresh start with it. But, you know, that was a really confronting process going, oh, okay, well, six embryos, like, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know.
2: I feel, you know, you're saying this now with a clear mind. You know what I mean? You're not pumped with hormones. Is this going to be a thing that, you know, you've gone in there with a game plan. You're definitely going to be much more switched on than you did previously, obviously. You know, you're going to learn from some mistakes that you did and some of it you may have forgotten a little bit that you'll pick up and remember along the way. But do you feel that, you know, you've taken these hormones before? Are you in the mind frame that it might be a situation that you might not be able to digest? You know what I mean? Like your mind's not thinking in an alert way or of of being able to take it on? Like, is that sort of something that could cloud your judgment? Like Uh,
3: I think one massive difference is I have an extremely supportive wife um, and yeah. one that that understands um, already that, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that we can absolutely take that on. Yeah. Um, and I'm also in a very different place in my life. So um, yeah, I think I'll understand and recognize what's going on as well, rather than, you know, I essentially did live that alone. So, you know, I was going through those things, telling, my partner at the time, like, I don't want to be alive and looking at a blank face that was not responding to me or not doing anything to try and ease, you know, the discomfort and the pain that I was in. Whereas, you know, that it's, I don't, I don't like to compare humans, but it's not even a comparable situation yeah, um, for me because where I'm at and where we're at, um, are yeah, polar opposites. So, Yeah, it's not something that has crossed my mind of of concern.
0: But also two weeks ago, it wasn't our plan for Lisa to go through this process again. No, yes. There there were five viable embryos that we were going, not not necessarily use all of them, but we're going to use. Um, And then all of a sudden, even almost three weeks ago now, they were like, shit, like we're going to have to, if Lisa wants more biological children in the world, if we want Mila to have biological siblings in the world, then that yeah that, that was there the yeah this is the only way so now five years on my well, wife's almost 40 like I the am. process is going to be different anyway because you might I not mean. have 24 eggs might be lucky to have five
2: um so you um yeah. you know you had six so we're presuming your your, your first embryo worked first going
3: yep yeah it did um yeah it was amazing you know to get that get that. Um, I did at the time I had a couple of really close friends. One of them had actually said to me, you know, I was talking about wanting another child, et cetera. And she had said to me, you know, I really, I think you should fix your relationship before you, um, you know, go and bring another child into the world. But I was hell bent that that's what I was doing. And I remember my, my two best friends at the time um, had both, you know, kind of warned me. And so when I found out, um, you know, that I was pregnant I definitely didn't have the excitement that I did for the first time around. The process was, you know, it was so taxing and emotional that, um, you know, I was really, really excited for Aaliyah. But yeah, it it was definitely different. Uh, You know, you, you go through so, so much. It's hard to, you know, you have your natural reactions obviously, but it's hard to, kind of understand that concept that it's worked and you know that i don't know it's it's so unnatural
2: yeah no it's you know well it's it's, it's free shot at it isn't it the first time you know so it's like oh we did it you know like it's worked so yeah. like wow well, i'm gonna be a mother yeah. um yeah yeah all right well we'll get to the point now a couple of weeks ago you receive a call where were you what
3: happened what question? uh sitting at home um i missed the call from a, a number of interstate and you know didn't really think much of it um i then the voicemail happened to come through late so it was delayed for some reason and then i listened to the voicemail and and the lady had said you know it's she literally said, hi, it's Kate from the clinic. And I was like, what clinic? Yeah. Can you please give me a call back? Um, ASAP, I've sent you an email. I haven't gotten an email. Anyway, the email address that they had for me was an, an old email address. Um, so I called back and then she said to me, um, you know, I'm I'm really sorry to have to. Uh, deliver this news, but the, the donor that you have used to create your embryos has desi- decided not to be a part of the program anymore. So what this means is that um, the embryos will need to be, I don't think she said destroyed, I think maybe discarded. Uh, she was extremely lovely and and sympathetic and um, very uh she handled it very well given the obviously the sensitive nature of, um, you know, the, the situation at hand. So she said to me, you know, in Victoria the law was that um, basically, you know, if a donor withdraws his consent, then that means that um, you can no longer use those embryos. And I said, well, that's okay. Can't we just transfer them to a different state? And she said, unfortunately not. Um, it you know, it's the agreement is the agreement at the time. So, you know, it can't be, um, it can't be, be changed.
2: So I'll I'll hold on. Um, I'll hold you up there quickly. Um, So you've you've got these ones in storage. What would have happened, say, if you moved state and the embryos were then in the hands of another state rather
1: than...
3: (laughs) Well, that, yeah, that's what's happening to, to, to Jess and Leroy. So, essentially firstly you need to get um, permission to have the embryos transferred from state to state so it's illegal from VARTA right yeah you have to get permission from VARTA so it's illegal to transfer Mm -hmm. embryos from state to state um, unless you get permission so I believe that's what that's what they did they moved from Victoria to to South Australia but yeah no it, it doesn't it's the embryos are created in Victoria so that stands with victorian law it doesn't all of a sudden change because you've moved them so for us we we moved ours um to geelong um you know some victoria obviously but it still stands from when that agreement took place or when the um the embryos were created so i don't think to begin with i fully understood what she was saying to me and then my sister was trying to call me and she my sister can be a bit persistent and she called me about three times in a row and so I got off the phone and I called my sister back and I just burst into tears without oh it's happening Mm. (laughs) I burst into tears without even saying hello and she said what's wrong what's wrong and I said something horrible has happened and she said what did your grandma pass away and one thing for me is when I uh, when I was pregnant, um, so my grandparents have been a huge influence on my life. And when I was pregnant with with Miller um, and then going into being a single mum with, with two kids, I lost three grandparents in 13 months. So I only have one living. So my sister understood that if I was crying, it had to be something serious. And I said, no, they have to destroy the embryos. And she said, what do you mean? Anyway, she is 12 years younger than me and has recently been talking to fertility clinics because she has endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, and they've told her she needs to freeze her eggs, and she had a counselling session and the counsellor said to her, you know, was going through it and my sister was saying, look, my sister's been through this, it's horrible, you know, I'm really concerned about everything that I have to take. Um, My sister also has had epilepsy and, you know, other health issues and she was really freaking out about it and really didn't walk away from the counselling session feeling any better. And so as I kind of composed myself, I I said to her, look, I'm going to have to just absorb this and um, give you a call back. So Karai was in in Melbourne um, running a school holiday program for our business and I called her and I was just bawling my eyes out and she was sitting on the toilet. I <laughs> don't know why you answer your phone while you're on the toilet, but um, she said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, and I explained it to her and she said, right, I'm coming home straight away.
0: And I said the same thing as you start, you just, because you said the same thing, something bad has happened. I said your grandma, like this first thought was your grandma's passed away. Like that's what it was like. It was like someone had gone through grief and trauma. Mm.
3: Oh, it, it ripped out my heart. I just, I felt like I had failed Miller. You know, I have this one child that knows her dad and has had opportunity to to have, you know, an a emotional connection, which when she's old enough to make that choice, you know, at the moment, due to the very sensitive nature of what has gone on with her dad, um we have to keep her safe. And when it's her choice, when she's old enough to make the choice to, if she does reconnect with, with her dad, that will be her choice. But with Miller, when I separated from my ex, we had to, once the, once Miller was born, the clinic came to us with information um, about connecting with the donor and whether we wanted to, you know, go on this list and, and um, you know, potentially if we're on the list and he's on the list and we find out that we're both on the list then you know, you can connect with, with the donor. It was a really serious conversation for us to have already in such a shitty situation of us being separated and trying to navigate through co-parenting and all of that stuff to make a decision. So for me, I felt so guilty because... You know, growing up kind of without my dad around, um, even though he was there and I had, you know, I had time with him. There was no connection there, and so as an adult, I've been able to form that connection and see that my sense of humor comes from him, and you know, my my abilities in the kitchen—he's a chef—come from him, and you know, I love doing handyman stuff, and that comes from him, and you know, all of these things. And I just was like, you know what, if we choose not to go on this list, now I've lost this opportunity for Miller to have a full biological understanding of where she's from with a sibling. And, you know, I grew up with both of my sisters have a different dad to me, but, you know, we both know our dads and we've never ever seen ourselves. You know, it wasn't a case of like, Oh crap! Now I'm mean, gonna have three kids with three different dads, and you know, like that doesn't that doesn't bother me one one bit at all. It was more a case of this huge huge guilt of letting her down for being able to understand where she's from and why she might have some of the you know little intricacies that she has in her life. Um, so yeah, I was really scared. And heartbroken. I just, I really, you know, it took me probably, that was on a Friday too, which was shit. I called the clinic back that afternoon again after, you know, and had some more questions and and tried to understand a little bit more. Over the weekend I um, connected on some Facebook groups, um, which I instantly regretted because I had all these like,
0: Fuck him!
3: angry lesbians coming at me and I was like, this is not me. Like I'm not someone that's like, you know, fight the, you know, fight the fight. I mean, I'll be fighting this, but, you know, I had people telling me like, oh, you need to fight it legally. You know, you, this is rubbish. It can't be the law. Um, yeah. Just really stuff that wasn't good for my mental um, state at that particular second. But what it did do was connect us with Jess and Leroy, which really helped me because it was understanding another family um, that was essentially in the same, you know, the clinic had told me that there were six families, including one that was currently 32 weeks pregnant. I felt instantly, you know, I'm a very empathetic person and, you know, I've even thought about GoFundMe pages to try and help Jess and Leroy, for example, who are stuck in South Australia having to start the process all over again with no support from their clinic there. And I just want to help them and I want to help families to not be put in this position because it's absolutely gut-wrenching. It's absolutely heartbreaking for so many different reasons. Um, but I am thankful for social media for connecting us. I did actually get really scared and, and you know, I'm one that expresses my feelings A lot so I've you know told Kariah every step of the way how I'm feeling but one thing I was like shit I wonder if Jess and Leroy have a a child and then all of a sudden Miller has a sibling which you know I've since found out does but I'm not sure I'm ready for that yeah Um, it's something I've never ever even thought about and I guess you know you have touched on obviously you know donating and having families that have had successful pregnancies and then you know, the possibility of them connecting with each other. It's not something that my brain has absorbed or even had to think about until this moment. And it scared the shit out of me going, I don't know if I'm ready to, for that to happen. You know, obviously found out that they do not have currently any children, but there are some children out there that, that share this donor. Mm. Um, you know, he has been a donor for 10 years and I believe there are several, you know, the clinic obviously has to watch, you know, some of the information that, but they've been quite, um, yeah, I, I just, I think I would find it really weird to like, to see another child and see my child in that child. That's not mine.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Um, um, it's interesting. But, you know, there's so many sides of the coin to look at and it does take a, ton, a, lot, a lot of time to you know process that. And when you've got a lot of this going on yeah. in the background, that's, it's a big issue in its own self, you know, yeah. you are not in that state of mind to process that, you know, for obviously I've got a lot of time to look around and, and do this and speak to different people. And, and, and I've done that. And I've noticed that if you put the, the guest appearances in now, it'd be less, they'll be less dependent on wanting anything to do with me as much when they're older, you know, and so yeah. forth, you know, so do, yeah. you do, do you do it now, minimize the impact of the time capacity, compared to in a later stage of doing it once they're more curious and, and or, or build up so many questions in their mind that they feel more attachment or need to attach onto you rather than just get little bits of information at one time. And this is also what I was saying, um, touch on now is, you know, yeah when you go through the process of using the click now, you can uh, put your name down, to whether or not you want to connect with the donor or the donor connects with you, blah, blah, blah. Now, do you feel... That if you had the ability to connect on a personal level with a donor, whether it be by email or Facebook Messenger, that he would feel, you know, you could present your case of, um, hey, like this girl we got really wants a direct blooded sibling, you know, like, you know, um, but once for me, you know, I don't, if I'm a donor donor donating a clinic, I don't know who you are. I can't see the emotions yep. you're going through. I can't see, yep. you know, um, I can't process in my head how important your child is to have a, a, a direct relationship with the, the next child, um, you know, that you could press your case to him and then, you know, when people normally talk it through and they see a side of it going, well, the, oh, actually, yeah, I will keep my, my, my sperm there. It seems like, okay, so this is what's happened in Victoria that you've learned me of. After ten, for, um, five 10 years, they ring up and say, do you want to be on the program? They legally have to do this. Mm-hmm. So they rang up this donor. They've reminded him that his sperm's uh, uh, still there, or there's embryos created, and he's gone nope, take me off the program. Now, when they called him, have they what? What did did they tell him? You know, did they speak to him? Well, we got you know someone's this couple here spent $20,000, this couple here spent over $35,000. This person here has got a child already that wants to have a um, a direct sibling, you know, like, uh, you know, are you aware of the ramifications of the impact that this child might grow up that contacts you resenting you perhaps for you denying them having a sibling, you know, is, is he, is he, um, or should it be mandatory that he has to come in for a canceling session to uh, disregard his rights after 10 years, you know?
3: So, um, the, the information that I, that has been presented to me and you know I um, contacted the clinic quite a few times and you know desperately I guess just trying to get an understanding of what had happened and the law and, and all these things.
0: And to clarify like it, obviously the day they called it was very minimal information and obviously very emotional overwhelming that it kind of took us a, a week or so to kind of get the full story. So yes, like I think that day um, and even Leroy, and Jess went on social media, like everyone was like, you know, screw him, like he's selfish or whatever. And to be honest, like at the start I was I felt the same. But then come a week later when we, we found out that, yes, they're asked at five years if they want to do it again and then again at
3: 10 years if they want to continue, we kind of had a different view on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, so one thing that I, that I found out from the clinic is that um, they believe that he's, perhaps moved overseas so his mobile number his contact details are not they can't get in contact with him so they had tried it wasn't a phone call it wasn't like they called up and said you know hey man you're in you're out and he was like no i'm good bye it's literally it was via email where he's filled in the attached form and sent it back so they've then reached out again um the and the information that, that, that the clinic gave me was that his response was, you know, at a silly hour of the um of the morning. So they feel like that maybe he's moved overseas, given that also his phone is disconnected and, and not available. So
0: and he's since been unresponsive. So it's kind of like, yeah, do you want to be a part of the program? He said no, filled out the adequate form, and then they've said, hey, just so you know there's a couple of families that are in X, Y, and Z situation, and then he's since been non-responsive
3: so the clinic did say to me i don't want you to to hold on to hope but we have um you know really given also that the the lady that's 32 33 weeks pregnant um who's just started her journey um, and wanted biological siblings as well you know that that would be absolutely i mean it's, it's gut-wrenching for us but i can't even imagine being pregnant and then being told that after you've just gone through all of this and I don't know, you know, how many tries they had before that or whatever. So I believe um, you know, they have tried to make contact with him in regards to that and really um, you know, get him to understand, you know, the severity of this. But also one thing that has been made aware to me is that there's not a like you're in or you're out. So it's not like you can say, um, yeah, yeah, cool, like. I'm, I'm in and you can use those embryos but don't use any more of my sperm, yeah. like destroy yeah, my it's, sperm. It's black and white. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Is black and white. And I think that, you know, that's where, yeah, we can like, go to town on this guy and and i think as we touched on before too you know like he could be 60 he could be 70 we don't know how old he is now we don't get that information he's if probably he's, married with
0: his own bloody kids i think i've got no idea
3: you know happens. you actually got no idea and it may have a better understanding of that obviously you know having met him when he did um donate and, and another thing that we have found out too obviously in victoria with these laws is that um you know so with and and you would probably um, deal with this somewhat as well. So with the clinic and and the bank that they have of sperm um, quite often, they'll get a donor in new South Wales or Queensland or a different state. And then they assign it to Victoria because, because of the way that the Victorian laws are, it does limit their ability to. So if you donate in Queensland, for example, like your sperm can be used anywhere, but Victoria. Mm. So they need to assign to allow more victorian sperm donors that they've assigned like he couldn't he might not even be in victoria i haven't even asked that question to be honest i think as little information at the moment is is probably best but i did get quite upset of the originally you know when when initially sorry when they called me and said you know he's withdrawn his consent it really Sounded like he called up and went, Hey, pull me from the program. And then straight away, that guilt again went, Well, what is the chance of Miller being able to meet her biological father in the future if he doesn't even want to be a part of this program? Because my ex and I had always said, We'll put our names down. We hadn't done it, but we'll put our names down and allow her that opportunity to meet her biological father if she chooses to down the track. So that was really gut-wrenching too because straight away I was like, well that's it. Why would he want to meet any children that he has brought into the world if he doesn't even want to to do this anymore? But it just it doesn't sound like that is necessarily the case and and not an assumption that I should be making obviously without the information at hand, but because I think the nature of it the clinic had you know, their legal team and their admin team and they were in meetings, you know, obviously it had come out at, at Monash IVF a couple of weeks before that. Um And, you know, the fertility lawyer, Stephen Page, had come out and said, basically, you've got no hope of fighting it. Yes, we can fight to change the law for the future, but oh, for perhaps. this particular situation, there is no hope. So, you know, let's try and, and it probably took me about, it took me a few days and I spoke to to one of my my best mates who lives in Uganda and I said, do I want to fight this, mate? And she said, absolutely, you do. Like, why would you not? And, you know, she is Miller's godmother and, um, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, was absolutely an amazing support during the, the pregnancy and afterwards and everything. And she was like, you, you know, you just... You've got to do this to change if You Need
0: to make some noise about it. Yeah. Their words you yeah. need <laughs> to make a choice to either keep it, you know, close to our family and just let everyone know or make some noise and we made some fucking noise and I think it's working.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know we talk about the counselling, the information session. given Victoria, and we know we've got this VADA situation that claims to be the world's best monitoring and the best regulators and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, important issues like this, it seems like, you know, they really should be pushing a bit harder as well and doing something and, and, and putting your your story across and rather not just shaking heads and doing this and, and actually making something happen, you know, like, you know, getting results done. Um, but basically this information uh, counselling session that you had, given the laws that the clinics know that they have in place, that they have to contact after five years or ten years and and ring up and say, do you still want to be part of the program? Should it be important to have on the, you know, when you're selecting a donor and looking at the stat sheet and all that, should it be a very important question that's on the stat sheet saying to the donor that they've explained that his um, right to withdraw consent after ten years and what is his views on people that have current, you know, um, you know, right now, because everyone changes in 10 years as well. But if you've got strong morals and values on how strong um, it is for you to uh, enable people to have direct siblings from your help, or people already spent tens, twenty 20,000, $30,000 in embryo storage what is their values and morals in terms of people going through that pain and leave that you know like do would you say you know ask them the question where would you morally stand if this happened to you like would you you know is this something that you could decide to change your mind on in 10 years or is this something you're very strongly opinionated on the you know because i mean a person could sit on the fence and, and say i honestly don't know and that could be their answer that they put on that sheet and oh, yes. or that or someone could say no Uh, No matter what happens in my life, this is, you know, if I've gone through this process, it's very important for me, Uh, you know, morally, I want to let these people know who pick me that your embryos are safe. You know, do you feel that should be a question and put to the counselling for these men to, you know, think about the future rather than think about the current moment they're in when they go in there at the time?
0: Like there is obviously a question on there about why do you want to help people and why do you want to donate? And all of the answers are very flattering, but yeah, it wouldn't bloody hurt to be a bit more elaborate on that and say, you know, what's the plan in 10 years, but it's so hard to make a call. Like, you know, young guys come in and maybe single, maybe not. And then, you know, happy to give their sperm out. And then 10 years later, they're married with their own kids or moved overseas or who knows. But one thing that, um, that we've been speaking to the um, donor team about is about what year that they donated. Mm. So, five years ago, if you knew that he had donated five years prior, then you're like, oh, maybe I won't choose him, knowing yeah. that in 10 years' time, um, his choice. So, maybe it's more, um, it needs to be around um, how long ago they donated and giving, providing that information to those going through the IBS process.
3: They, the, the, yeah, two things I think the, donor profiles that get given to us as patients there are a lot of donor profiles that are incomplete and when I say that it's a choice there are speaking to the donor team now um, you know there was a couple of, uh, in particular that we've been looking at and the guy has been extremely helpful um, and and they've kind of um, uh, drawn us towards newer, donors
0: she doesn't just less likely to happen again it doesn't mean it won't yeah if <laughs> the laws not change but but you've got made, you know
2: you'll be 50 you'll be 50 by the time this yes. donor can cancel all this time whereas opposed to
1: yeah
2: if you pick an eight-year <laughs> donor that donated eight years ago you know you might potentially yes. have two two years Um, Yeah, yeah, that's a very important thing that people should be aware of. You know, these clinics are aware of the laws that they have to abide to and they should be giving that information out and letting people know this because, as you said, we're coming up to a um, a time now where there's a lot of same-sex couples having babies, they're picking a donor that sounds good off paper, uh, which their lifespan or sperm may be two years or one year left, you know, and then, you know, you want that comfort of mind knowing how shit the laws are to, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, okay, yes, we can get all our babies out within two um, 10 years that's not a problem with us or you know potentially mm-hmm. three years or well, we only want one anyway so we'll be you know be able to to do that um mm-hmm. yeah so you've raised a really good point uh look we're gonna have to finish up uh
3: we've touched on i was some just co- gonna say sorry one more thing mm-hmm. on the on those donor forms there are too many i think that if you want to be a donor then you should be made to complete the form so there are there are donors that are listed that that you know, there's two sheets of questions that they get asked, and more often than not, those questions are not answered. And it doesn't say NA or don't know or not sure, just <laughs> they're just blank. The
2: way I see it is if if a donor is too lazy to a- uh, answer those questions on a two piece paper, I mean, it's I don't know for me, it doesn't seem like their mind's. In it for the right reasons, or you know, we don't know what their minds in it. Uh, but I would advise, and this is just my own personal opinion; everyone can take it for granted. So, I would not be picking a donor that doesn't uh, can't be bothered yeah, to we. Yeah, we've
3: said that. Neither yeah. would we, but yeah. I think that it should be a requirement. If oh, uh, if
2: I agree. I, things,
3: I, oh, you I, I, oh,
2: look. I agree and disagree because if they're required, then you, you could be fooled. You know what I mean? Like going, oh, okay, all these guys are committed in answering all these questions. Yeah, if a guy if a guy can't be bothered answering the question, should be like, Well, if he can't be able to be bothered <laughs> answering these questions, is he really yeah. the right guy for us? I mean, I mean to me it sounds yeah. like he's non-committal, he's not commit uh, not driven in life to be able to, you know, fill out a piece of paper. If you don't have the yeah. ability to fill out a piece of paper, well, I'm sorry, I don't want my children being born from your sperm i mean that's how i'd say it but i mean i could be completely wrong yeah. and people would probably think, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and everyone would find a reason to disagree with me or some people would fully agree with me i mean you can never have 100 percent people agree with you no. Uh, no matter how logical you might sound to yourself or put it out there but yeah. we'll finish up if you have the ability to email him right now would you well,
0: great question He, like I think we said this before, he's purely exercised his right based on what the law is.
2: And, okay, so that's the law. If he's listening to this podcast right now and he's sitting on the fence, you know, he hasn't responded back any further and he's listening to it, what would you like to say to him
3: right now? Um, I'm not angry at him. I I think after two weeks of absorbing this now, like Karai just said, he's exercised his right. So I'm not sure that I have much to say to him. I want to change the way this process goes about and I want to change the law. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: I really am not focused on him and his choices because if we are going to sit here and take away someone's choice,
0: It's not fair. It's
3: not fair. Yeah, I think
0: we'd rather use our energy in changing the law. Like we spoke about it briefly before. The law should not be so black and white. It should be, do you want to be a part of the program anymore and, you know, continue using your sperm? He can say no, but I want the embryos that have been created to be used where possible. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, yay or nay and everything's destroyed.
3: Like that's... What I would say to him, this has happened for a reason, but I hope that in some capacity he's able to offer our daughter any answers that she may want when she's older.
2: Yeah. And I personally think if Victoria is going to keep this law, that they should have a mandatory, if they want to change their mind after 10 years, that they should have another counselling session. That explains, you know, what they're doing to potential the mental health of the people that they've helped previously, and then ask and then say, "Do you want to go through this?" And then then they sign it, and then if you know, if if that's if we can compromise, yeah, if, we, if, if we can compromise halfway rather than uh, an email that just says "nah," um, yep. you know, I feel that's very, you know, the process is not there in terms of you know being able to explain those sides. Yeah, humane. It's not humane. Uh, so right now, the laws are really bad. They need to progress to at least, you know, uh, put across other people's side of the story of what they've gone through. You know, you've gone through a lot mentally, physically. Uh, you're going to go through this again now. You've got a great support, loving partner in Kara. And uh, yeah. you know, so I wish you <laughs> I wish you I wish you I wish you all the best. Um, Thank you. you know, it's sad this has happened to you, and I really love your attitudes in terms of wanting to make change for people for the future because what you've gone through no one should have to go through it should be as i said we there's ways of going about there's ways that the laws can change and they need you know they need to step up and amend this or look at this and you know even if it's just making a a mandatory counseling session that they have to go through uh you know rather than say no you know uh, it's a long way and uh you know so th- there's there's lots of work to be done and i really appreciate you guys coming on the show today we'll link your socials to the episode app um episode podcast information on the website so your socials any other information the sign a petition forms and all that sort of stuff we'll link that all there for everyone to go in and have a look on the website and uh yeah follow them on instagram uh you know feel free to add the add some messages of support and wisdom uh any angriness we don't need it no one needs it you know we're going through they're going through a lot right now uh positive thoughts positive vibes uh really appreciate your time and thank you for this thanks
1: so much troll is such an open-ended word for me something that i used to think i owned. i'm standing here with none i'm feeling so complete you help me understand and let it go and oh your this black heart made it into gold so i wanna let you know that my love and my